Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Thursday, April 2nd. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Fantasy Football Today. Fun show today. We got your fill-in-the-blanks later, including one from Jamie. About me, which is very rude, but we'll read that later with your fill in the blanks. We got your email. I was, I was just curious. It was, uh, you know, you'd be surprised, Jamie. And you know what? The answer to the question, you're very much involved in it. So, oh, nice. yeah. <laughs> so think about that. Yeah. Uh, what, what is this? What? <laughs> Jamie uh, has a fill in the blank about my showering uh, frequency. And, you know, I, all I'm going to say is that. Jamie is sort of dictating how often I shower. So you That's guys, word. you could. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So All right, you know, the start of this podcast also going to talk about <laughs> quarterback prospects. Ben Gretsch is also here. We'll get to talk about Jacob Eason, who he's been watching because he's a Washington fan. And did you know that our producer, Ben Schrager, doesn't even know who Jonathan Taylor Thomas is? He knows who Jonathan Taylor is, but he has no idea who JTT is. Does that just blow your mind? He doesn't know a lot of things that we know because he's like 30 years younger than we are. <laughs> he's so young. Did Ben Gretsch, do you know who Jonathan Taylor's Thomas is? I do, but he was popular when I was really young, and I'm still a little bit older than Schrager, so it doesn't blow my mind at all that he hasn't heard of this random, obscure child actor. You're a lot. Schrager's 23, I think. You're, we're a lot older than him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. I'm almost twice as old as Ben. <laughs> crazy wow all right so we're also going to compare tyrod taylor to josh allen so let's get to some that means notes. ben was three years old when i started working at cbs that's really funny actually oh <laughs> my god you're a lifer yeah that's so, a blessing the uh the postseason is going to be expanded to 14 teams officially for this year how do we feel about that guys only one when i started at by. cbs there wasn't even a, a postseason they just you know had the Two teams play, and that was it. That was the postseason. That's how old I've, that's how long I've been with CBS. <laughs> Dave covered I like the it. ice bowl. I mean, at first, I kind of hated it. I, I don't really like the idea of only one team getting a bye, but uh, I realized for DFS purposes, rather than a weekend <laughs> four-game slate, we're going to get these daily three-game slates that are going to be all very similar to Thanksgiving, which is always one of my favorite slates. So, uh, yeah, DFS is going to be fun in the playoffs next year. There'll be there'll be a lot more fantasy playoff leagues. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't yeah. mind it. I think it's fun. It is a huge advantage to have a buy. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys know the stat, but I think the like every participant of the last three Super Bowls or something like that has had a buy. Maybe even more. The number one and two seeds are heavily heavily favored, I guess, to go to the Super Bowl, and the two seeds losing the buy. So it's a big deal. But hey, I like more teams being in the playoffs. I think it's been good for baseball. Probably could shorten it in basketball, but we're not quite there yet with football. All right. Dallas signed Alden Smith, name from the past. He was a terrific pass rusher, but he's been out of the league for a while. Houston signed defensive tackle Timmy Jernigan. Seattle signed defensive end Benson Mayoa. And then we have some quarterback news. Got a question about Tyrod Taylor coming up, but Anthony Lynn said he's in the driver's seat to be the starting quarterback, but nothing's finalized yet. Here's what Frank Reich said about Tom Brady said, you know, he evaluated all the free agent quarterbacks. I did tell you that this is Frank Reich for the, for the Colts. I did tell you that we did look at all the guys. And I will tell you that I looked at 
Brady's tape. The guy is incredible. I mean, I watched all of his tape from the last two years. I think he's still playing at a super, super high level. We know he's the best of all time for a reason with as many championships as he's won. I mean, he still threw a couple balls in games. I'm saying, how is this guy throwing the ball this far? He's incredible. So that's what Frank Reich said about Tom Brady. They ultimately went with Phillip Rivers, thought it was a better fit for their offense. <laughs> but do you make anything of this quote? Or do you think it was just a nice thing to say? This guy's just an incredible passer. Let's take the one that threw an interception like every 10 pass attempts last year instead for the same I mean, price. it means probably Brady didn't want to go there. Maybe. Yeah, probably. He also so was very 10. praiseworthy of, of Rivers. I mean, you know, he said he watched all the games, that he still has something left or whatever he said, how he phrased it. It probably wasn't as effusive as what he said about Brady. Uh, all right. Just want to throw that out there. Do you think he watched every snap of Jameis Winston last year? Probably not. I hope he did. Maybe. Yeah, you know what? I bet he did. I bet he did. Well, he didn't comment on that, did he? I don't think he was asked. Then Sean Payton said this, quote, The unique situation with our team and with our quarterback, Drew Brees, is he's announced he's coming back for his final season, end quote. And then he was like, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so he may have spilled the beans on Drew Brees' future. Meanwhile, Jared Stidham appears to have the inside track on the Patriots' starting quarterback job, according to The Athletic. And also The Athletic, Ed Bouchette, Steelers writer, he predicts that the Steelers will not re-sign Juju Smith-Schuster after this season. Ben, what do you think about that? I don't think it's crazy. I mean, his logic was that um, Juju sees his value a little higher than the Steelers do right now because of of last season, essentially, that, that Juju still is going to want a big contract and the Steelers are going to have a hard time committing because of what happened last year. Um, so I don't think it's a weird prediction right now. I mean, I think if Juju goes out and does what I think he'll do and have a really big bounce back season, that whole conversation is going to change. And Seattle released Ed Dixon. Clear up the tight end log jam. That brings us to our email of the day. Do you guys remember Cooper Doug from last year? He had our email mm-hmm. of the year. Mm-hmm. So his, I don't I don't remember what his name is. I think it's Doug, and I called him Cooper. Or maybe it's Cooper and I called him Doug. But he's Cooper Doug in Sin City. Last year he wrote an email about Christian McCaffrey and how McCaffrey was so much better after Cam Newton got hurt, after Cam Newton stopped running. This was in 2018. After he couldn't throw the ball downfield, you know, he hurt his shoulder. And he speculated that McCaffrey wouldn't be nearly as good in 2019 with a healthy Cam Newton. We never got. And he got you hook, line, and sinker. Yep, he ruined my he ruined fantasy for me. Like Cooper Doug <laughs> ruined my year. So I did not want Christian McCaffrey because I bought into his theory. We didn't get to test it. We didn't have a healthy Cam Newton. But here we go. Here's another one from Cooper Doug. Dear Joe, Carol, John, Howard, and Bhagavan. Tiger King. Tiger. How'd you know that? Because I watched it. You did? Why would like? Yeah, I watched it. What like? What? What do I have to do? I'm at home all day long. <laughs> I don't know. You never watched. Did you watch it yet? I, I anticipate you watch. Did you I? finish yet? No, I'm still on episode. I still just episode two. Come on. Did you watch the whole thing, Ben? Yeah, it was wild. Oh my god, it's amazing. It does it get better? Does it get yes. better? It's not that good so far. Oh, you're an idiot. Keep <laughs> watching. Okay. <laughs> Uh, all right, the email says, why are we viewing Tyrod Taylor differently from Josh Allen? I'm going to feed you to the tiger. Taylor has a higher completion percentage in his career, higher yards per attempt. Uh, the Bills have a better defense, which works against Josh Allen in theory. 
Uh, career touchdown percentage higher for Taylor. Career interception percentage lower for Tyrod Taylor. Rush attempts per game. Allen 7.1, Taylor 6.43 in the three years that he was a starter. That's all that Cooper Doug used, 2015, 16, 17. Uh, the Chargers threw the ball four more times per game than the Bills. Taylor has a much higher passer rating in his career. Taylor has better skill players around him. And yet Josh Allen is ranked in the top eight at quarterback, and Tyrod Taylor is not even in the top 24. It's just job security. Well, his, yeah, he that, says, that's the biggest thing. Well, he, Cooper Doug says, I get that the Chargers are going to probably draft a quarterback, and Tyrod might not be the starter for 16 games, but how is he not a top eight or higher quarterback while he is the starter? Well, he probably is, but you're not going to be able to draft him and know that he can be your starter all season. I think he's a fine late-round pick, but... And, and yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with the the thrust of the email, which is you could draft him late. He'll be good as long as he's a starter, and then you can stream quarterbacks. I think that's a very viable strategy this year. I think Tyrod should be on more people's maps for that reason. But like, if you're in a best ball league, you don't want to draft him necessarily because you don't know he's going to be starting after like week six. You would like to see them draft probably Tua if you're in the Tyrod Taylor camp, just in case he gets handled with kid gloves and can't start the majority of the season. But top eight, I mean, that's I don't see him being top eight. Look, obviously, it could happen. Anything could happen. Well, four points for passing touchdowns, he could. Yeah, maybe he he had a he had a really good season, I guess, for fantasy. That one year, with Sammy Watkins was healthy, and Sammy Watkins was good. But obviously, well, this is the best talent he's ever had around him. Yeah, for sure. We're also projecting more growth for Josh Allen. I don't think Tyrod Taylor is getting better as a player at this point. Yeah, career. I don't think you necessarily have to compare that. I know that's the, the the gist of the email, but you know Taylor can can be serviceable. I think Ben said it best. You know, best ball leagues, you're you're hoping that he plays ten plus games, and then you're in such a great situation because he should be good in those ten plus games. May not be great, but he should be good. Uh, but nobody's drafting him, right? I mean, we haven't put this practice into motion. Has he been drafted in our? He, he was drafted in one league, which was our Superflex League, yeah, and well. that's where he should have been drafted. I mean, you yeah. know, again, you're talking to a group of people that typically are going to draft one quarterback, and that's not factoring in. We haven't done the rookies yet. Okay. Well, I guess the takeaway here is that Tyrod Taylor can be a good quarterback for you that might go undrafted or be your last pick while he's healthy, and then you figure it out while he's playing, rather, and you figure it out after. If you're working from home this week, ask Alexa or your Google Home to play fantasy football today. Start and stop FFT episodes with your voice. Leave us a nice Apple podcast review. Always a good time for that. We really appreciate it. And you can ask us questions there. And sign up for the FFT newsletter at cbssports.com slash newsletters. Stay up to date with the fantasy with fantasy football content sent straight to your inbox all season long. Free agency news, rankings, editorial pieces, prospect profiles, and more. cbssports.com slash newsletters. And let's uh, let's get to know the quarterback prospects, guys. All right, we know Joe Burrow is almost a lock to go number one, but we have write-ups on these guys. Dave, I know you you looked at at least the top four. Um, we're gonna ask. Well, everybody's gonna talk about these guys, but you'll give the scouting reports on Burrow, Tua, Jordan Love, and Justin Herbert. And Ben will chime in on Jacob Eason. We'll also talk about Jalen Hurts. But let's start with Joe Burrow. What do we need to know about him? I mean, sixty touchdowns. 5,671 passing yards by comparison. In 2018, Tua Tagovailoa threw for about 4,000 passing yards. Burrow had, had almost 1,700 more uh, in 2019 than Tua had in 2018. 
and 60 passing touchdowns. I mean, that is ridiculous. So what do we need to know about Joe Burrow? So he was a big-time high school prospect in Ohio. He went to Ohio State when he was ready to compete with Dwayne Haskins for the starting job. He broke his hand. That cost him the opportunity. He said, nuts to this. I'm better than Haskins. I'm leaving. And he transferred to LSU, started at LSU in 2018, and was very mediocre. Uh, but they started to change the offense around late in 2018. And and Burrow seems to prefer playing with a spread offense, not the pro-style stuff that you're used to. So five offensive linemen, four to five offensive players running a route. And the the fifth player would either be a running back who's helping to block or he's out there running a route. He finds the mismatch early on and he makes the pass. He really gravitated toward that offense in 2019. Those are the when he put up the huge numbers, went undefeated, won the national championship. And the thing that just is so striking about him is he's got Tom Brady-like footwork. And I don't, I'm not trying to be bombastic. I've run the idea past people who I trust who watch film. And they agree. Like, he just, he maneuvers the pocket perfectly when he throws. It's effortless. Um, he's got great accuracy. He's smart with the football. Um, he's got good mobility. He can run a little bit. Yeah, it's it, it's not going to be more than maybe what Carson Wentz would run for in a season, but just an, an awesome arm. If there's one thing lacking to his game, it's just arm strength. Can he push the ball 50-plus yards downfield? That seems to be an issue. Um, occasionally he gets greedy and he'll, he'll, he'll throw into a tight window, but sometimes the results are good. Like he'll pass up an open receiver five to 10 yards in front of him to go for another receiver who's open 15 yards in front of him. Um, I, I think he's the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck has come out. He was also, then this is just one more thing. He was helped by the receivers that he played with at LSU. Jamar Chase is going to be oh, amazing yeah. when he comes out. Justin Jefferson is already being considered an NFL-ready slot receiver with the potential to be a number one guy. Uh, th- those two guys made plenty of plays after the catch, but Burrow had to get them the ball, and there were lots of times when he the, the pressure was coming, the pocket was collapsing. He didn't freak out. He didn't go into the fetal position. He stood tall, and he delivered a strike even though – um, college defenders were coming to eat his lunch. Like I said, he's he's going to be he he is the best quarterback I've seen come out of college since Andrew Luck. I'm not going to say he's as good of a sure thing as Andrew Luck. Like when Luck came out, I was sold. I I, I loved him, but I do think Burrow is worth a late first round pick in in these rookie only drafts. I know we've got one coming up soon, and I've got a late first round pick. And if he's there and no one else slips, I'm going to take him. I think that he's got a nice, long future in the NFL. Anyone disagree? Anyone not see a stud, star potential here for Burrow? Okay. So anybody drafting him in a redraft league? I think you can take a a late-round pick on him. I I would just say that, to emphasize what Dave said, the short and intermediate accuracy is really strong. And that to me is the most important trait with a quarterback, like accuracy. It's a hard thing to measure, but you need to be accurate to win, you know, to be a productive quarterback at the NFL level. And he has that. So he could be good right away. In my opinion. I agree. Especially when you consider what the Bengals have at receiver, you know, we're assuming that AJ green comes back. If, if he's there, you got John Ross 
downfield, blowing the top off the defense. Tyler Boyd has proven to be a good slot receiver. Mixon can catch the ball out of the backfield. There's, there, there's, there's talent there. And Burrow, the offensive line will be better too. Jonah Williams didn't play last year. He's going to be their starting left tackle. There, there's a real opportunity for Burrow to be one of the final 15 quarterbacks in fantasy points overall this year, if not top 12. He's... He, and then the Bengals defense is starting to fall apart. So it's it's almost like a maybe not as good of a storm as what's going on in Carolina, but a pretty good storm nonetheless for Cincinnati and, and for Burrow. So how does Tua Tagovailoa out of Alabama compare to Joe Burrow? And and we should say, going into the 2019 college football season, mm-hmm. Tua mm-hmm. was the guy. And Burrow had a fairly surprising Heisman Trophy season. Like this... He was not the type of prospect that Tua Tagovailoa was. So, so what do you think, Dave? Give us give us a scouting report on Tua. So, Tua was also like a big time uh, high school player in in Hawaii, and he got recruited everywhere. He chose Alabama, and and everybody knows the story because we all watched it, where he came in in the second half of the national championship game a few years ago and won the game for Alabama and just took over. And yeah, he, he's a little bit smaller than Burrow but he's got bigger hands than Burrow, but he's just as accurate. He's got a stronger arm. His release is great. I love it. I know some people say that it's a bad thing, but I think it's just a fast, compact release. He's got very good footwork, good pocket movement, just like Burrow. The the, the things that stand out to me, the, the one thing is standing out to everybody, and that's the health. Can he stay healthy? The hip injury was ridiculously um, – uh, yeah, it was it was it was just something it, it, gruesome. I don't know if it's a. I, it was gruesome. I, I don't want to say. I guess it was fluky. It's just the best way to put it because you don't see an injury like that in football very very often. Um, gruesome would definitely fit the bill. Is he going to recover from that? But he's also dealt with other injuries uh, in his past. It, does that mean he's injury prone? Will he? You know, will will his sixteen game seasons be few and far between? Don't know about that. Don't know if teams are, are going to be as worried about that, considering the upside that he has. The other thing that I saw when I watched him, and, and this is something that people have disagreed with me on, is that it feels like he had a lot of predetermined reads, meaning he'll he'll scan the, the defense pre-snap, and he knows where he's going with the football by the time he snaps it. And sometimes that leads to good numbers, and he certainly got helped out by the receivers that he had. He had a better receiving core than Burrow had at LSU. Judy, you guys know about him. Henry Ruggs is just an unbelievable speedster. They've got another guy, Devontae Smith, I think is his last name, who is going to be another un- incredible receiver when he makes it to the NFL. He was playing more often than Ruggs was. I, I, I think that those guys bailed him out a decent amount of times. But I, I wonder how he is when a play breaks down. It feels like he um, maybe not he doesn't read defenses quite as well after the snap. So if defenses in the NFL change the way that they're scheming up on him pre-snap to post-snap, that could fool him a little bit. That's something that worries me. I also thought he locked on to Jerry Judy quite a bit when he was playing at Alabama. So I, those are the only things. They're, they're nitpicky things. It doesn't mean that he's not worthy of being the second or third overall pick in the NFL draft. It doesn't mean that he's not worthy of being a late first-round pick in a rookie-only draft. But it does mean that I like Burrow a little bit better because I can find just a few more red flags on Tua. I think he's going to be excellent. I think he could be great for fantasy, but I'd, I'm, I'd like him second to Burrow. Jamie, how do you see Burrow versus Tua Tagovailoa? Uh, I like Burrow better, but Tua's going to make it close if he's healthy. 
Ben, agreed? Yeah, I like Burrow better. All right, let's talk about Jordan Love because we know a lot about Burrow. We know a lot about Tua. Jamie, you want to talk about Jordan Love? You want to get in on the action here out of Utah State? No, I'm good. Oh, come on. Let's hear what you have to say about Jordan Love. <laughs> um, no, they could do it. Jordan like, Jordan Love. How do you feel about him? Do you Jordan like him or do you Jordan love him? We'll see where he ends up. Okay. I think that's, I think that's the perfect way to start the conversation on Jordan Love because his last two seasons, um, very different years. In 2018, better offensive line, a coaching staff he was comfortable with. He was amazing. Um, just fearless type of thrower, good, strong arm. He's kind of got that bendability that Patrick Mahomes has where like he can, like his, his slot angle when he throws the ball, it, it, it can vary and he can still throw accurately when he does it. He's certainly mobile as well. So what happened in 2019? Because that was his number stunk. Uh, his offensive line got worse. His coaching staff left, you know, they did so well at Utah state. They all got jobs somewhere else. And so he had a new coaching staff come to them. And, uh, I, I felt like he pressed way too much. Um, but reading defenses, accuracy, I, I guess those are question marks more than anything else. His footwork is good, but I, I think that he's he he he's reminiscent of Mahomes, not necessarily in his stature, but he's close to the same size as Mahomes, but more so because he's just got this good, strong arm. He can move around. But he needs work on on his footwork, and you know, as, as great as Mahomes is now, I don't know if he would have been this amazing if he had started right away. He had 15 games to watch Alex Smith. He worked on his footwork. It's clearly better now than it was when he was at Texas Tech. And I wonder if Jordan Love, if, if he's not pressed into action, could follow in the same footsteps, where he takes a year to just watch another veteran play. He gets comfortable with the coaching staff. Hopefully, goes to a team. Um, that's got a coaching staff in place for the long haul, not like Jacksonville, for example. Um, Indianapolis would be great for Jordan okay. Love. New England would be great for Jordan Love, where he can go learn for as long as he possibly can. And then in 2021, he ends up being a very good quarterback. There, There is a lot of potential with him. And I could, I could talk myself into making him my third favorite quarterback in the class. Ben, how do you feel about Jordan Love? I'm kind of down on him unless the Patriots take him in the first round, which he's been mocked to a few times. I mean, if if they take him, I'm going to trust Bill Belichick's judgment over my own. But um, there seems to be some um, some concern about his, his accuracy. Again, I'd go back to accuracy, and and they've mentioned some inconsistencies across years. And you know, I I don't know that that is. Like, I think that's a pretty significant red flag that, that, you know, you watch him tape on him. He has a really hard time with the, uh, with certain coverages with his own linebackers. He just hits him in the chest sometimes. And like, it's true. I don't know how that plays. Yeah. It doesn't play well. No. <laughs> the accuracy is super are important. usually bad. Yeah. 17 interceptions, only six interceptions in 2018 for Jordan Love, but 17 last year. That's a big number. Let's talk about Justin Herbert. 3,471 yards, 32 touchdowns, six interceptions, um, and 29 touchdowns in 2018 for Justin Herbert out of Oregon. Jamie, give us a quick scouting report on Justin Herbert. Well, he can run for a size, which is going to be interesting to see how that translates to the next level. Um, you know, we saw that in the Rose Bowl. Um, I think, again, it's going to come down to fit. Uh, if he does go to the Chargers, which a lot of people think, 
then, you know, he's stepping into a situation with some good weapons around him. Um, but, you know, he's uh, he's one of those guys that has never left his bubble. And so how will that translate to him as an adult, you know, going to, uh, you know, be a professional and be the leader of a team? Um, but, you know, he's uh, he's got all the physical tools. You know, we'll just see if he can put it all together once he gets to the NFL. Well, you've te- you've never left your bubble, right? You've been in South Florida your whole life, and you're doing great. Um, sure. So I'm op- that makes me optimistic. Sure. Uh, let's so Jordan Love, <laughs> Justin Herbert, and then let's start talking about Jacob Eason and, and Jalen Hurts. Of these next four guys, and I don't know that Hurts is number six, but it seems like Burrow, Tua, Love, Herbert, Eason, and then there's going to be someone else. But Hurts, you know, he can run. Who's got the most upside of the quarterbacks after Burrow, Burrow and Tua? Hurts. Destination. Destination for Jamie. Hurts for Ben. Dave, who's the it's most either, upside? For me, it's either Hurts or Love. What's Jacob Eason like if all love, about? If Love goes to the Dolphins, if they don't, if they don't get Tua, somebody jumps in front of them and, and they take Love, uh, that's probably going to be a, a rough start for him because of the, the team that he's stepping into. If he goes to New England, like Ben said, then it could be a great situation because, you know, you feel more comfortable in the coaching staff. You know, the, the Dolphins could obviously be, end up being a good spot, but, uh, you know, just, you just don't know. Um, but, you know, like, like I said, I, I wouldn't have any problem with Herbert if he goes to the Chargers because I feel like that would be a good landing spot for him, knowing what's around him. The Patriots just cut Cody Kessler yesterday. I think they're going to draft a QB and whichever one of or these sign guys one. They, they may sign one. They may sign one. They, they may. may trade. They may trade for Dalton too. You know, that's yeah. always that's always been kind of the underlying thing with the Patriots is that if Brady was going to go, they are. Uh, I don't know if in the, the, I don't want to say enamored, but their their Belichick has kind of made it known that he he he, he wouldn't be opposed to Dalton. So, uh, you know, we'll see. They could do both. They could, yeah, you know, absolutely. Give up a, I mean, a day three pick for Dalton and still trade trade for a young guy, and that's their plan for 2020 and then 2021. And then Jacob Eason threw for 3,100 yards, 23 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Not a rushing threat. He's rushed for negative yards in all three of his seasons. Sat out 2018. Transferred from Georgia. Went to Washington. Became the apple of Ben Gretch's eye for his Huskies. <laughs> do you like Jacob Eason? I mean, that's just a, a a bit presumptuous there. You haven't asked me if I like Jacob Eason. You love Jacob Eason. Come on. I, I think everyone thinks that just because, like, you know, you're an alumnus of a team that you're super biased towards players. Well, like, no, Jake Browning was you, a quarterback before like him, him, and there was a point when people were talking about Jake Browning as a top 10 to 15 overall pick after his, he started as a true freshman, and I was never sold on Jake Browning at all. I, I'm, not saying you, I'm not saying you like him as an NFL quarterback. I'm just saying he's your guy. He's your quarterback. You root for Jacob Eason. He played for the Huskies for one year, and they drastically underperform expectations. So you so, hate yeah, I mean, I, I like him. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, he has so he he's six six. He has a really strong arm, a good arm. Um, he's both he can be both accurate and and throw the ball very hard, uh, which is something like you go back to like Jake Locker, another Husky. Jake Locker never had that. Jake Locker had a cannon, but was very inaccurate. Um, Eason, uh, I, I sent a message to some friends that became kind of a theme of a season after the very first game against Eastern Washington because we still didn't know what we had. And I was basically like, he played really well. He passed every test he could. But the one time we saw him pressured, or at least the one time that was uh, like fresh on my mind, 
we saw him sail a pass over the middle. And I was like, okay, he pat he when he was protected in the pocket, he was very good, accurate, with a lot of velocity. He looked great. Hopefully we see him pass the next test, which is throwing under pressure when he gets challenged. And that was the theme of his whole season. He was not good under pressure from that point on. That's why he was inconsistent. That's why this guy who was a former five-star prospect is not being talked about as a first-round pick. And if you look like over at PFF, that's something I saw at the end of their season. And it's a reason I said that this comment I made early in the year became a theme. That's the scouting report on him. They graded him very well throwing in clean pockets. They graded him very, very poorly um, throwing under pressure. Now, one thing that's really notable about that, they have data scientists over there that have been analyzing their stats and what's predictive and all those things. And for quarterbacks, they find that throwing um, in clean pockets is a more predictive metric and is um, more stable year over year. So if Eason has that and he has that arm talent, I think there's some potential he could be like a Jared Goff. If he's in a good system, Jared Goff's good seasons when they were protecting him well. Uh, And I also think because he has a limited track record as a passer, there's some potential that, especially because throwing under the, uh, under pressure is not something that's a very stable metric, there's some potential he could grow into that and get better at that specific trait. I mean, in 2019, like you said, he hadn't started since 2016, his true freshman year at Georgia. He got hurt right away in 2017 and sat out 2018 for, for the transfer. So there is some potential that that just needs some work and he gets better there. I actually think he has more upside than Justin Herbert, who started four years. I watched a lot of Herbert, too who I think was just inaccurate and and maybe doesn't have it all the way. But I don't think either of these guys are necessarily going to be good, even though they both have tons of arm talent, both have big arms. Um, But I think Eason, in a good system with the right protection, could be good. It's just a matter of, you know, where does he land and fit and everything like Jamie's been saying with every quarterback. And I know Ben's looking forward to seeing where Jalen Hurts ends up, was the Alabama quarterback, transferred to Oklahoma, had an amazing year, but he's a dual threat guy. And that's always good for fantasy. So we'll have to see where these guys end up. The draft is later this month, unless something gets postponed, but it doesn't look like it's going to. And uh, yeah, looking forward to breaking that down. And we'll give you more prospect previews in the coming weeks. Okay, I spent a lot of time doing something yesterday, researching something for fantasy football. And I, you know, it might have been useless, but sometimes, you know, sometimes even finding out that. Your research is useless, can help you. Basically, <laughs> you know, just disproving a theory. Uh, I wanted to look at teams that have had multiple wide receivers finish in the top 24 in both non-PPR and full PPR over the last three seasons and what kind of offenses those teams are on. So last year, for example, in non-PPR, we had five teams that had two wide receivers finish in the top 24. We had the Buccaneers. The Detroit Lions, actually, and, and I'm going to include Marvin Jones. In CBS leagues, he was 25th. He was one fantasy point behind Calvin Ridley. So I'm going to give Marvin Jones the nod there. Um, the Falcons, Julio and Calvin Ridley, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. And where did these teams rank in passing offense, yards per game? Tampa Bay was one. Dallas was two. Atlanta was three. The Rams were four. And the Lions were actually 10th. They did that with half a season of Matthew Stafford. So Right. They probably would have been in the top five if Stafford had stayed on. Yeah. Or, you know, top seven, whatever it is. But uh, they might have let it leak. Stafford was on a really high pace. Right. So 
you get the point there. I mean, five teams with with teammate combos who were number two, number one, and two receivers, and four of the five were top five passing offenses. Uh, over the last three years, there were consistently more examples of this in non PPR than PPR. There was like one more teammate combo in in non PPR than PPR. At that probably a touchdowns thing in terms of you know where they finished in fantasy. Uh, but 2018 and 2019 showed a, a huge correlation between passing offense yards per game and can you can you get us two receivers in the top 24? And 2017, not quite as much. But I will say that, so here, just to wrap up my findings, in t- over the last three seasons, there have been 16 teammates who finished in the top 25 in non-PPR. 13 teammates in PPR. In these cases, only twice out of 16 in non-PPR and twice out of 13 in PPR were these teams on an offense that ranked lower than 13th in passing yards per game. Oddly enough, both times involved Jarvis Landry with the Browns this past year and with the Dolphins in 2017. Um, In 2018 and 19, eight of the 10 teammate combos were on top five passing offenses. Seven of the nine PPR teammate combos were on top five passing offenses. So over the last two years, if you're not on a top five passing offense, it's been hard to have two wide receivers finish in the top 24. The the first team that comes to mind is Seattle. How are they going to have Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf finish in the top 24? There are a lot of ways you can look at this. You could say that this is useless, and I would be fine with that. Or, you know, I would say, like, why why draft a guy like Robbie Anderson? I mean, he's got to be, like, your fourth or fifth wide receiver. What kind of upside does he have? There's no way they're going to have a top 10 passing offense, you know, in, in Carolina. Um, who's drafting Robbie Anderson any higher than that, though? No, fine. But let's just say somebody's like, oh, I really like Robbie Anderson. Yeah, it, this offense is not going to sustain him. I'm sure there are, are you other talking examples. To, like Robbie's family when you say that? No, I mean because I don't know how many people really right, like fine. Robbie Anderson it, for fantasy. Uh, but it's just like if you're choosing between him and and gosh, I don't know someone else that's on a better passing offense. You have to you have to go with the team with the better passing. Offense. I don't know. Anyway, what do you think of this? Was it useless? I don't think it's useless, but the first thought I had is how did the quarterbacks on these teams fare in fantasy? Oh, most of them were top 12, Dave. Agreed, yes. But it's funny how Cooper Cup was fourth and Robert Woods was 22nd, and you think about Tyler Higby and his strong finish, and Jared Goff finished 15th among quarterbacks in fantasy last year. So for the most part, I think you're right. If you've got a a team that's got two great wide receivers, we're expecting their receivers to go off, we could certainly – assume that their offense could finish top 10 passing or top five passing, then the quarterback's got to be lauded a little bit more. We got to value those guys. Yeah. And the, so, the reason and, Goff and didn't the, finish higher was because Gurley stole all his touchdowns. Okay. That's fine. And, and he didn't he, run. Yeah. But still he, he like, I mean, they, they were one of the top, he, he was one of the leaders in passing yards. So if they don't just feed the ball to Todd Gurley at the goal line all the time, then you are talking about a top 12 quarterback. Yeah, that's true. Could happen this year. Uh, I don't know. I'm, it, so, yeah, I mean, let's, I, what, okay. I, okay, go one ahead. One thing man. I want to know with this, you said yards, but also you have to look at pass attempts. The Falcons were first. The Rams were third. The Bucks were fourth. The Cowboys were 10th. And I don't know who, what was the other team? Detroit. They oh, yeah. finished a lot lower. So these are teams that threw a lot of passes, right? So 
there's there's multiple sides to it, obviously. The Panthers, interestingly, were second. You said there's no way they finish as a top 10 passing offense. If Bridgewater's a better downfield passer than Kyle Allen was last year, and they're chasing a lot of games, and they're willing to throw as much as they did last year, although they have a whole new coaching staff, I don't think that's crazy. I think they could finish in the top 10 in terms of passing yardage, even though Bridgewater doesn't necessarily push it down the field. But yeah, I don't think this is useless research at all. I think it's it's like very strong research, and I agree with you. Seattle's probably not going to support two top 24 receivers. And I, you know, the only way they get by on that is Russell Wilson's, you know, career efficiency, which is just really good. Or they uh, did both guys score a lot of touchdowns. Right. I think right. That's, yeah. That's Based on him throwing him for, you know, a high TD rate. And, and then both those guys take a lot of those touchdowns. But yeah, I mean, I think this, it's a great point. And I think the way to apply it is number two receivers. Look for the next Chris Godwin, you know, look for the next Calvin Ridley or Michael Gallup in offenses that you project to throw a lot of passes, throw for a lot of yards and, and, so who yeah, jumps out of you? What's that? Who jumps out of you is the next one. I got a name. Robbie Anderson. <laughs> Christian Kirk. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Christian Kirk's mine, and it has been since the DeAndre Hopkins trade. I didn't move him down. I think that raises their whole passing offense and, and gives them more upside. Jamie, where are you at with this? I think it's good research. Um, you know, I, I, you know, obviously I'm joking with Robbie Anderson, but the Panthers are going to throw the ball a lot. You know, so is it going to be him? Is it going to be, you know, just the same same combination of uh, of Moore and and McCaffrey, and then just the other guys sort of split the pot? Um, you know, I I think it'll be interesting to see how some of these teams approach the draft with a few of these rookies. Not that they're going to jump up to that level, but you know, Denver getting a second guy. You know, let's say it's Rugs. Um, you know, does. Does uh, a team surprise us and add a running mate to somebody that we didn't really expect, uh, you know, that has a number one guy already, you know, like we got with Metcalf going to Seattle, that type of situation, you know, so um, or with Calvin Ridley, you know, a couple of years ago going to Atlanta, you know, one of those scenarios. So that that's, I think, where you want to look. But with the established teams right now, there's nobody that jumps out, jumps off the page. Um, and. I mean, it could be Kirk, but I, I think, you know, you're still going to see the Cardinals spread the ball around, which is why I, I don't love DeAndre Hopkins as much. So there's what about one Tyler Boyd? Tyler Boyd? I like it. I was going to jump in and say the Eagles. We don't know who their receivers are going to be, but that's another team that I could see throwing enough. Yeah. Well, well Ertz would be one of those receivers, right? Yeah, no, sure. We can't, that, that's the like, thing. How are we and, not and including Kansas City? Tight, that's, yeah. Glad you said Kansas City because tight end is a big X factor here and that's the next step of this research basically. But we, you know, Kansas City's got a great chance to lead the NFL in passing yards. So what does that mean for Sammy Watkins? His, I don't know what his future holds there, but, but, but Nicole Hardman too. And it's not like you can't have a good tight end. Like Dave said, Tyler Higby. Um, was doing good things. Uh, you know, last two years ago, OJ Howard was a really good tight end, and still they, the Bucks produced two uh, wide receivers. Austin Hooper, right? Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley this year were top twenty-four. Austin Hooper was was really good. So yeah, the Chiefs look like they could have someone there, and I, don't know, I thought I thought that was a good place to go with it. But could they have someone there? Because if you've got Kelsey and Tyree Kill dominating and targets. And yeah, sure. So Just it's the similarly to how Julio and Ridley would in Atlanta, for it, example, then I don't know if there's room for another wide there receiver. There is the Falcons. To I finish think, as a top twenty-four guy. The Falcons. Yeah, but are I, the again, it's it's like the Panthers thing. I don't think there's going to be one guy. I think it's going to be if it's Watkins still there, it'll be Watkins. It'll be Hardman. It'll be right. You know, so it won't whoever, be one guy that replacing Demarcus Robinson. Right. It, it'll be you know just a handful of guys. 
again, splitting all the production. Yeah, I'm drafting a bunch of Miko Hardman, so I'm a little more optimistic than these guys. I do agree that his targets and, and volume might not be there, but I think because of how efficient he was last year and the way that they were able to use his speed and and in the, the Chiefs are are kind of, you know, an anomaly of an offense for this type of research. But I think Hardman could have really good efficiency again next year, basically. Let's fill in the blank. Here we go. Thank you for your uh, tweets. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Adam Azer, A-I-Z-E-R, at Yards Per Gretch, at Dave Richard, singular, at Jamie Eisenberg, J-A-M-E-Y, at Heath Cummings, S-R, Heath Cummings Sr. From R.C. Maxfield, A.J. Brown's floor is blank. Wide receiver one. (laughs) (laughs) His floor is wide receiver 31. Really? You think he could be that bad? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Tannehill reverts back to his old self. Titans continue their run-heavy ways. Not a lot of breakaway plays for A.J. Brown. Not a lot of games with six-plus targets. That's a higher floor than I expected you to say, to be honest. Because he's not going top 12. Where's he going? Top 20? Yeah. As far as receivers go, not overall. I mean, I'm comfortable with a wide receiver 31 floor where you have to take him. Um, I do agree. Like, this offense could regress. There are ways that he could hit a floor for sure. But I don't think it's um, as low as some people do. Okay. From Matt Gleason, the first current sophomore wide receiver to have a 100-catch season will be blank. AJ Brown? No. I'd love to see that. (laughs) No way. Not on Tennessee. Right, Exactly. Are you saying they're incapable of having a 100-catch receiver? Kind of. I mean, I feel like A.J. Brown's going to be the the one wide receiver whose value is changed the most depending on format. Like He, he could be a, a full round, if not more, earlier in non-PPR. I think I would say McLaurin. I was thinking McLaurin, too, actually. I don't know that any of these guys are, like, great 100-catch bets. I mean... Hunter Renfro? <laughs> like, who's a, who's a high high catch guy in this class? Uh, from mid-major Matt, Cam Newton will be fantasy relevant if he goes to blank. Patriots, Jaguars, anywhere we can Chargers. start. Okay, Jeff says the biggest bust of the season will be blank. Derek Henry. Uh, yeah. I'm nervous about Juju. DeAndre Hopkins. Ooh, Hopkins is a good one. That's I'm worried, bold. I'm worried about Aaron Jones. <laughs> We never talk about that, but Aaron Jones, I, I mean, he's like Derrick Henry, but with a lot fewer touches. But on a better offense. And more catches. More catches, but half of his catches came in four games without Devontae Adams, or not quite half, but almost half. Yeah, but let's see what happens when they you know, take a look at it after full offseason. Could be worse. I think he's proved. I think he's proven to be a very good fantasy running back. He's. I love Aaron Jones. He's great. But before the last two games of the season, when Jamal Williams got hurt, he got hurt in week sixteen, left early. Aaron Jones's touches were not up to par with, you know, the elite running backs. And we he's been going in the first round or early second round. And there's, I think, potential that he performs more like a, like a Mark Ingram-type player, like a third-round guy. Because he had really, really bad games. R- horrible games. Four or five games of three fantasy points or fewer yeah, in non-PPR. five of them, I think. 
Yeah. I think he had five under five in non-PPR and five under eight in full PPR. If they want to just realize how good he is and turn him loose, then he could be, you know, one of the truly best players of fantasy. But Yeah, but I think that's the, what they did last year. They like, did that when, minds, when they, Williams they got made hurt. him. I think they did it already. I don't think they did it until week 16. Before that, his touches were just too inconsistent. Or, or consistent. Aaron Jones? Yeah. Yeah, and, and all of his t- his uh, four times that he was like really high in snap share were when Jamal Williams was either out for two games or left early in the other two games. It was very clearly tied to, to Jamal Williams' health. Right, that's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, hopefully they wise up and let Aaron Jones be the stud that he is. How about from Mike Sleepy K. Curland? Blank will be the 2020 Damian Williams. I don't know what that means. What does that even mean? Yeah, I don't know. A guy who gets hurt. Everyone thinks Damian Williams was bad. It it was because he got injured. He got injured in the preseason, and then he got injured again in the season. And then when he was healthy, he had another phenomenal late season and playoff run. I think think Damian Williams will be the 2020 Damian Williams. I I think it's going to be Saquon Barkley because I interpret this as the guy who should have been the Super Bowl MVP, but his quarterback actually wins it. So I'm going to go with Saquon Barkley. Uh, the uh, from Matt Winatoy, the next running back to break into the elite tier will be blank, and the most likely running back to fall out of the elite tier will be blank. Kenyon Drake in, Joe Mixon in, Jonathan Taylor. It's an easy one. Fine. Ball out. Is that the next part of it? Yeah. So he he gave us McCaffrey, uh, Barkley, Zeke, Cook, and Kamara. Who falls out? Zeke. Uh, I'll say Kamara. Yeah, I guess if it's out of that group, I'd say Zeke too. Okay, from Robert Pegram. Should I trade... Uh, okay, well, I'll do this in a full fill in the blank. Uh, trading Madison, Alexander Madison, for pick 110 for 10th pick of round one in the rookie draft is blank. Smart. Phenomenal. Great. Tyrell Lee, Carol Baskin, <laughs> blank her husband. Murder. Killed. Yeah. Offed. Whacked. From Jamie Eisenberg, the next time Adam will sh- will take a shower is blank. So That's for you. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's going to be tomorrow. No, it's going to be tonight. Maybe tomorrow. But, Jamie, because you're having me come on HQ every day, I have to shave. So that means I have to shower. So you have increased my shower frequency, you know, You've doubled it. So I made your wife a happier woman. Uh, you know what? Like I said, I went a whole week without deodorant on my honeymoon. I I'm a very clean guy. Oh my god! <laughs> I forgot my deodorant. I forgot my deodorant. They didn't have they didn't have my brand. Went the whole week. I was they don't fine. Have a store that you could go to it to was, buy. A but new... you still showered though, right? I showered yeah. on your honeymoon. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Once, once or twice. No, I showered. And uh, David Mendelson says Adam will eat blank more cans of the Chef Boyardee that was bought for him. Uh, the answer is zero. I will never. I will not eat. He'll it. go back. It, no, at least one or two. It was so He's bad. He's going back. I could, I ate one or two pieces of ravioli. A whole can? Are you kidding me? Horrible. Was that's that's, that's bad figure. material. I, I do not want to make any bets if that's the if that's the uh, what we're waiting. What would you rather have? Between what? Chef Boyardee or a Butterfinger? A Butterfinger. I I need a bean boozle wrapped Butterfinger. Before I eat more Chef Boyardee. I am, however, trying to find some hot pockets. But 
these times we live in, I cannot seem to find any Hot Pockets online. So if you find any, if you find any cheeseburger Hot Pockets. I'm not going to any stores, Dave. Stay home. Okay. Everybody stay home. I think you you stay home unless you need to get some food and then just be really smart about it. Well, I'm getting food delivered to me, but Hot Pockets are not, (laughs) not available. And it's not that much of an emergency, so... You're getting food delivered to you. You're getting your content streamed to you. You're this 21st century digital boy, and you still can't figure out how to shower every day. I don't need to shower every day. I'm not going anywhere. What do I need to shower for? I feel attacked personally because I haven't shaved in like five days. (laughs) Have you showered? Uh, I spent at least a day. I'm on Adam's side here. Like I'm not going anywhere. I'm ordering in all my uh, groceries too. Yeah. I'm clean. All right. F- uh, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com is the email address. This is from Yippie Kaye. Uh, t- 16 team PPR league. Two receivers, only one running back, but three flex spots. 16 teams. I currently have Carson Wentz, Zeke, Amari Cooper, Tyler Lockett, Melvin Gordon, Kenny Galladay, and AJ Green. That's pretty good. But my bench is trash. I have the opportunity to trade Ezekiel Elliott for Austin Eckler and Adam Thielen in a 16-team PPR league. Uh, Does this make sense, or is this humbug? Those are not guys I would trade for. Yeah, giving up. I would trade for for them. I wouldn't give up Zeke for them. You gotta get one more more piece. One more piece. I think they're both appreciating assets. We talked about Thielen earlier this week, but he's going to be 30 and is coming off an injury plague season i think people are too optimistic on him and eckler is a really good example of a team that you should be concerned about based on the the um research that adam shared uh, la with tyra taylor qb is going to throw well over 100 times fewer passes or well over 100 fewer passes um so you have keenan allen mike williams hunter henry and eckler all back the receptions are going to crater there that is a huge red flag but the rushing totals could improve with no Melvin Gordon. It could. Yeah. And again, I, I wouldn't base it on Tyrod because he's a placeholder. Well, here's a fun one. I think you don't do this in a long-term league. But if you're just playing for this year, which, which side would you rather have? Is a 16-team league, Elliott or Eckler and Thielen? I mean, if you, if you were to you know, look at it from probably Dave's trade chart, I would imagine the numbers are going to come out to Eckler and Thielen because Thielen's going to most likely end up being a late second-round pick, and Eckler's going to be a second-round pick. So you're getting two second-round picks for a top five right. overall selection. It, it's yeah. going to balance out. So, um, but I just think you need one more something else thrown in there, or just something a little bit more exciting, like you know, some something that Eckler and, and like Thielen, I think, has upside from the standpoint of he'll be better than he was in 2019. To what level we're going to find out? Eckler's going to come down. To what level he comes down, that's the the, the thing here. Mm-hmm. I, I just think the, the point of dealing Elliot is you think that he can't continue to be so consistent and he's going to get hurt and is, you know, kind of trending towards later part of his, per, you know, most productive years, maybe is a way of saying that. So if I was doing that, I'd want a younger player. Like James said, I'd want something more yeah, exciting. Yeah. I wouldn't want two guys that I think are maybe potentially also going to be depreciating. Right. Right. Okay. From Dwayne. Trade offer in a Superflex Dynasty League. Dear Marty, Jonah, and Wendy. That's Ozark. That's Ozark. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Ben's on fire today. I was offered draft pick 111 in this year's rookie draft for Kenyon Drake. Thoughts? No. 
keep Drake. I'm not doing that unless I'm not really a competitor. Like, I think you can get a good enough prospect at 111 that you could justify that, but I still think you should try to get more. But yeah, Drake that, is, that, that's just you're, you're, you're selling weight. Like, this was a trade you make a month ago while David Johnson's still on the roster, and it looks like it's going to be a just absolutely crowded backfield for Arizona. Yeah. So, like, now his, his value is much higher than that. Okay. You have Kenyon Drake. You want a first round pick in the rookie draft. What's the lowest you'll go? If you're trading Drake, Six. it's like one of four. Yeah. It's pretty At high. worst. Yeah. Okay. Four to six range. Finally, from Matt, would you trade Kyler Murray for pick one in a rookie draft in a two QB, four point per passing touchdown dynasty league? Kyler Murray or the number one pick? No. Turn Kyler Murray into Joe Burrow? I'm still taking Jonathan Sounds Taylor. Bad. I'm, yeah. I'm, I mean, you're just asking. Kyler versus Burrow, right? No, I, I, I don't. Think, I don't think so. Wait, hold, hold on. So no, you don't have to take Burrow with one hundred and one in a two QB league. I'm still you taking. Can, I, in fact, I, I bet he doesn't even go one hundred and one in a two QB rookie mock. Kyler was in, in in one of my two dynasty leagues, which is a two QB league. Kyler was the first pick last year. Okay, he but if we, were, if we were doing three. that again, who who would you pick number one overall now in that Kyler. draft class? You would two QB. Yep. Yep. Yeah, but the difference this year for Burrow is Tate's right. Jonathan Taylor and the other top running backs are better other options than who Kyler was going up against last year. Um So what's But the I still think Burrow the in the two QB, especially if it's like a twelve team two QB where quarterbacks are really scarce, I still think Burrow's gonna be the number one pick in most of them. So what are we doing? Are we keeping Kyler or are we getting the first pick? It depends on how many QBs this person has, how deep the league is. If it's an eight-team league, then you know go after Jonathan Taylor. But it, it depends on how scarce quarterbacks are. There's a lot of like other factors here. All right, that's fair. I'll. I think I would take Kyler over Burrow in a four-point per TD league, though. Just Easily. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. Like, if you're yeah. thinking I'm going to take Joe Burrow, then just stick with Kyler Murray. If you're thinking I want to take Jonathan Taylor, then you know if you're if you have three good quarterbacks or something like that, then okay, that changes the equation. And you, you you may be able to get something else in return for for that. I I know that's probably the offer on the table, but Kyler showed you what he could be. He wasn't really that ability. good though. I mean, as a pass with his rushing ability, he, he was second in the NFL in rushing at that position last year. You know, so yeah, but if, he but he was he stays worse than Gardner Minshew as a passer. As a rookie, and he just got one of the best receivers in the NFL for nothing. Yeah, I mean, that's like the Burrow's path to being a fantasy star is that he has to come in and be actually good and not be a bust and everything, yada, yada, yada. Kyler's is he are like Jamie's making the point. He already showed the rushing that can turn you into Lamar Jackson if you just have yeah. a, you know, a spike pass TV rate type passing season on top of it. Oh, yeah. No, so I, his I path like to being like, a difference maker at QB is is a lot shorter. Cool. All right, fellas. Thank you so much. Good show today. Good stuff on the quarterback prospects. Fill in the blank was fun. I want to thank the listeners for, for participating, helping this show uh, you know, be what it is. Always appreciate it. Leave us a nice review if you can. Have a great weekend. We will come back on Monday with Mock Draft Monday. Talk about the Superflex draft that we did just a couple of days ago. Until then, for Dave and Jamie and Ben, I'm Adam saying, nah, 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 nah. I don't know where Dave went on this, uh, but it used to be our thing. Nah, nah, nah.